0: the MassDivise Fast Five MedTech News Podcast, the show that keeps you up to date on the latest breakthroughs in medical technology with the top five news stories to get your day started. I'm your host, Danielle Kirsch, and today I'm joined by my guest co-host, Medical Design and Outsourcing Managing Editor, Jim Hammerend. Jim, welcome to the podcast. It's your first time here. Do you want to let our listeners know a little bit about what you do on MDO and maybe some of the projects that you're working on or excited about?
1: Yeah, of course. And uh, first, let me say thanks for for having me and uh, congrats on the uh, podcast. Love what you're doing here and can't wait to see how it uh, grows in the weeks and and months ahead. So at Medical Design Outsourcing, we focus on the technological advances that uh, fuel innovation in medical devices. So I've really, at least recently, been looking a lot into nitinol, surgical robotics, miniaturization, alternative sterilization methods to ETO, things like that. And so right now, you know, the big project is the one that you're spearheading, uh, Women in Medtech. We'll have that uh, edition out uh, digitally soon. And then it's on to the handbook where it's cover to cover guidance on everything device developers need to know about designing, developing, manufacturing and commercializing medical devices.
0: Jim does a really good job of doing really deep technological articles, how-tos, anything things like that over on medical design and outsourcing. So make sure you go check that out on Mass Devices sister website and see what you might learn. Before we get started, I do have a brief message from my regular co-host, Sean Hooley. He's been on the ground at Avamed's MedTech Conference in Anaheim this week, and he has one major takeaway from the event that he wanted to share. Hi,
2: Sean Hooley here, reporting from Anaheim and the MedTech Conference. It was a great first day over at the Anaheim Convention Center. A lot of interesting panels, had a couple of great meetings. Really, the the biggest takeaway, and if you you check out our stories on MassDevice, there's a few of them, was the implementation of digital technologies and AI and connected care across MedTech. It's clear that we're sort of witnessing a boom in this space, and we saw leaders from the likes of Stryker. Abbott, Smith and Nephew, Edwards, all talk about these types of technologies. So really, uh, I would recommend uh, if you were to read one 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 piece of coverage from Advamed, it is the State of the Industry, which featured Stryker CEO Kevin Lobo, Abbott Executive Vice President of Medical Devices Lisa Earnhardt, Smith and Nephew CEO Deepak Nath, and Edwards CEO Bernard Zovigian they all shared their positive outlooks for the space in response to the EY pulse of the industry medtech report and they talked about GLP-1s the emergence of connected care as i mentioned different approaches to M&A and all sorts of things and it feeds into a great conversation i had with Phillips and Julia Strandberg and they announced uh, this morning actually that they are launching a new sort of connected ecosystem initiative. So, please, you know, look into that as well. It's all on the Mass Device website. I appreciate Danielle giving me the time to give a little insert here on the Fast Five podcast, and I'm sure she'll have the rest of the day's news ready for you. So, thank you.
0: Today's news covers an FDA clearance for Hyperfine's AI software for improved image quality on its portable MRI system. Medtronic is warning on previous software on its MiniMed 780G devices. The FDA wants more testing in Philips recall. Boston Scientific is reportedly opening its first factory in China, and Heymanetics is making a cardiology device play. Yeah,
1: a lot of exciting headlines, so uh, let's get right into it. So, Danielle, what's the first thing we need to know to start our day today?
0: The FDA has cleared Hyperfine's AI software for improved image quality on its portable MRI system. The updated AI-powered software brings more precise denoising and CRISPR brain images to its swoop portable MRI system.
1: So, Danielle, how does this latest software development then update the company's Swoop's portable MRI system?
0: So, the latest software development brings artificial intelligence-based image quality enhancements to Swoop and its Diffusion-Weighted Imaging Sequence, DWI for short. The software enhances the system's AI denoising capabilities by incorporating advanced image post-processing into the DWI sequence, and the improved denoising allows for CRISPR images that help clinicians accurately diagnose, treat and monitor patients undergoing brain imaging. And I do want to note that Swoop's other sequences, T1, T2 and Flare, previously benefited from this AI feature. And what's the
1: messaging from leadership? What did the company's executives have to say about the news?
0: So the company's chief operating officer said in a news release that we believe in making brain imaging more accessible, clinically relevant, and actionable, and we continue to make meaningful progress across all sequences. With the significant and most recent update, we now incorporate deep learning into our TWI sequence. He went on to say that these imaging improvements will serve as a critical role in enhancing image quality for healthcare professionals in time-sensitive environments.
1: All right. Thanks for that, Danielle. And now we've got some diabetes news.
0: Yeah. Medtronic is warning on its previous software, Minimed 780G in Germany. It seems the company has issued an urgent field safety notice in Germany to warn of a potential issue with its Minimed 780G system that it first announced a few years ago.
1: And what exactly is the issue that Medtronic's warning about?
0: Well, in March 2021, the company first communicated that its pumps with software version 6.5 could present pump errors. These occur after the delivery of a large bolus at quick bolus speed under certain conditions. This issue only impacts customers using pumps with software version 6.5, so there is no required action for users of MiniMed 780Gs with software version 6.7, but this issue may result in errors if all the following conditions occur. The user has a pump with software version 6.5, the bolus delivery speed is programmed to quick, The smart guard feature is in use. The pump is on the bolus delivery screen with an auto correction bolus is triggered. And the bolus amount is programmed to at greater than 17.1 units. Auto corrections occur when sensor glucose runs high and active insulin runs low.
1: And what can customers do?
0: So with this notice, Medtronic informed customers in Germany that they could exchange their current pumps for an updated version for free. Those MiniMed 780G pumps with software version 6.5 can change to a pump with software version 6.7. This eliminates the potential occurrence of these errors. So users can use the pump for boluses over 17.1 units at a quick bolus speed.
1: And what did Medtronic say about this issue?
0: Well, obviously, they're regretful of this. And they said, quote, we regret any convenience this may cause. We are committed to patient safety and appreciate your prompt attention to this matter. Medtronic also said that if patients had any questions regarding the communication, that they could contact the helpline, which we did provide the number for in the article on mass device.
1: Very good. Yeah, that's, that apology sounds a little bit like what we've uh, been hearing from Philips in this uh, this massive recall. And that's, our, that's our next headline, right?
0: Yeah. And it seems that the FDA wants more testing in the Philips recall that we've been hearing about for a few years. And the company's been dealing with this recall for some time now, and it you know, sounds like the FDA wants a little more from the company than what they're giving.
1: So why, uh, why does the FDA want more testing?
0: Well, the agency said in a statement that, quote, The FDA remains unsatisfied with the status of this recall, and we continue to take steps to protect the health and safety of individuals using these devices. And late last year, Philips released testing results showing that, among other things, exposure to certain emissions from the recalled devices is unlikely to result in appreciable harm to health and patients. Further test results released in July of this year came to the same conclusion. And obviously, this deals with the CPAPs that the company has been recalling since 2021. With those test results, the FDA said it remains unconvinced by the data provided by Philips they also said, quote, we do not believe that the testing and analysis Philips has shared to date are adequate to fully evaluate the risks posed to users from the recalled devices. Although Phillips concluded that the exposure to foam particles and VOCs from these devices is unlikely to result in an appreciable harm to health in patients, the FDA believes additional testing is necessary.
1: Yeah, that's that's not as a device manufacturer what you want to be hearing from the FDA. So as Phillips said what they're going to do?
0: Phillips agreed to conduct the additional testing requested by the FDA, and the agency maintains its recommendations regarding the health risks associated with the polyester-based polyurethane foam breakdown at the center of the recall. The company said in a statement, quote, the FDA stated that the testing is extensive and conducted with independent parties and expressed no concerns with the validity or objectivity of the testing. Phillips Respironics is still in discussions with the FDA on the details of further testing.
1: This has been and will continue to uh, be one of the biggest stories in med tech. Can you um, can you catch us up on some of the recent news out of Philips?
0: Yeah, so Philips, we've come. I know we've covered this on the podcast before, and I'm sure this is not going to be the last time we cover it. But Philips has been handling the class one recall of certain respiratory devices since mid 2021. Respironics recalled millions of ventilators, bi-level positive airway pressure and continuous positive airway pressure machines. We have a timeline of the events on mass device, starting from the first recall to this most recent news. The FDA statement also follows a scathing investigational report from ProPublica and the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette that was posted just a few weeks ago. That report outlined the alleged withholding of information around the issues with the devices, even as they became more alarming.
1: Yeah, this story is nowhere near done yet, so thanks for uh, staying on top of this one. Our pleasure. In our next headline, China has been a uh, very appealing but tough market for medical device developers. Uh, we've got another biggie that's uh, opening uh, in a big way there, reportedly.
0: So Boston Scientific is expected to open its first China factory in Shanghai. We reported a few weeks ago that China was a big growth area for Boston Scientific. And the company seems to be delivering on that promise sooner than we expected.
1: What um, What did this uh, report from Reuters say?
0: Well. Reuters reported that Boston Scientific shared the news in a statement on its WeChat social media account. The report said the company shared its interest in expanding regional production and supply chains. Its factory will be in Lingang, a free trade zone in Shanghai, focusing on production for the China market. And according to Reuters, the Shanghai government promotes this area as a, quote, landing base for developers of semiconductors, electric vehicles and pharmaceuticals.
1: So, Danielle, with this latest entrant into China, uh, why are they expanding there?
0: Well, a few weeks ago, Boston Scientific outlined China as a serious area of focus at its recent Investor Day event that took place on September 20th. Chair and CEO Mike Mahoney described the country as, quote, one of the most attractive medtech markets. The company sees unmatched growth scale and worthwhile innovation ecosystem within the country. Jun Chang, who is the president of Boston Scientific in Greater China said also at that investor day that many complexities in the Chinese market still exist, though, but the company will have to navigate payment reform, local competition, and policy pivoting toward local sourcing. But despite these challenges, Boston Scientific expects its China business to exceed more than $1 billion in revenue by 2024. The company projects mid-teens revenue growth with, quote, attractive margins.
1: What are executives saying about this move?
0: Well, June Chang said that, quote, we know that it's not an easy market to play, but it is a compelling market. She went on to say that, so we stand firm on our commitment, but we constantly recalibrate and refresh our approach to maximize our potential and to focus on our core, focus on highly differentiated product technology. And we continue to find new ways to grow. We believe that we are in a very, very strong position to win and we have the best team on the ground to deliver that.
1: All right. Thanks, Danielle. And then for the last headline, looks like we've got a a big deal pending in the cardiac space.
0: Yeah. Hymenetics announced this week that it wanted to acquire Opsense for more than $250 million to expand its portfolio into the cardiology device market. The cardiovascular device market is obviously an attractive and fast-growing market, so it's interesting to see another company enter that playing field.
1: Yeah, definitely one of the fun uh, ones to uh, watch from my perspective on the technological advances side. So what are the, some of the uh, financial details of the deal?
0: Him and X will acquire all outstanding shares of OpenSense for $2.90 Canadian dollars and an all-cash transaction that will have a fully diluted equity value of approximately $253 million US dollars. The transaction is expected to close by the end of January 2024. Completion of the acquisition is obviously subject to the approval of Opsense shareholders, receipt of court and regulatory approval, and certain other closing conditions. Hamenedtics plans to finance the acquisition through a combination of cash and a revolving credit facility.
1: And for listeners who might not know uh, about Opsense, what do they do?
0: Opsense develops optical technology for use in interventional cardiology. It has two main products. SavvyWire and Optowire. SavvyWire is a sensor-guided 3-in-1 guide wire for TAVR procedures that acts as a pacing and pressure monitoring wire that advances the workflow and the procedure for shorter hospital stays. Optowire is a pressure guide wire that aims to improve clinical outcomes by accurately and consistently measuring fractional flow reserve and diastolic pressure ratio to help clinicians in the diagnosis and treatment of coronary artery disease. Opsense also manufactures fiber optic sensor solutions for medical devices and other critical industrial applications.
1: And how does this acquisition add to the Hemanetix portfolio?
0: Well, the company said this transaction is set to have financial and strategic benefits for the company. Obviously, Opsense's technology will expand the company's hospital business unit portfolio with the fiber optic sensor technology into the interventional cardiology market. Haymanetics president of Global Hospital, Stuart Strong, said in a news release that, quote, with the acquisition of Opsense, we expand our leadership in interventional cardiology and strengthen our foundation for additional growth and diversification. By leveraging Opsense's proprietary optical sensor technology, our global commercial infrastructure, and our relationships with the top U.S. hospitals performing TAVR and PCI procedures, we have a powerful opportunity to improve standards of care for more physicians and patients worldwide. He also expressed that the company is optimistic about the acquisition, obviously, and the future of Haymanetics, saying that, quote, we are excited to welcome Opsense's talented team and look forward to advancing our shared commitment to maximizing patient benefits and value for our customers.
1: Definitely deal to watch. We'll keep an eye on it.
0: Yes. And that was all of the news that we had for today. So I just wanted to thank you, Jim, for coming on, being my my guest co-host for the week.
1: Yeah. And Danielle, thanks for having me. Uh, listeners can read more on Mass Device website and check out the show notes at MassDevice.com slash podcast.
0: Connect with us online. I'm on LinkedIn at Danielle Kirsch, K-I-R-S-H. And where can the listeners find you, Jim?
1: I'm also on LinkedIn, Jim Hammerand. Last name is like the word hammer, A-N-D.
0: Subscribe to the Mass Device Fast Five wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode. Join us tomorrow for your daily MedTech News Roundup. Thank you for listening.
1: We'll